Lord, change our hearts today. Change our hearts. Well, this morning and the next few weeks, we're going to be teaching on a very, 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 very important topic. It's an extremely important topic because a lot of people think if you're going to grow spiritually, we're here because we want to grow spiritually, right? But if we don't understand this topic, it's going to hinder us from growing spiritually. And what I'm going to be sharing on this morning is about finances. And you say, well, that's not a very spiritual topic. I want to hear about these healings and all these good things. But it is a very spiritual topic because Jesus had an awful lot to say about finances, didn't he not? The Bible has an awful lot to say about finances and about the importance of being faithful in finances. A lot of people are not faithful in finances. And so as a result of not being faithful in, as Jesus called it, unrighteous mammon, we're not given the... Uh, we're not giving the true treasures of the kingdom. Right? So it's important how we learn what we learn about finances. Now, having said that, whenever you talk about finances, uh, that always gets some people upset because the first thing they start hearing is the TV ev- some of the TV evangelists that never have enough money and the TV evangelists that sometimes put far more importance on money than they do on really the needs and the, uh, uh, and the souls of people, Right? Some of those people have got off track. And as a result, a lot of times over the years, a lot of these TV preachers, they have actually siphoned monies off of the local church into their ministries, and they haven't always used it properly. And so God has a, a purpose for the local church. We're a local church, right? He has a purpose for us. There's things that we can do that TV ministries can't do. I remember hearing one one time saying to the people, one of the TV preacher was saying, if your church doesn't use its monies to help, you know, this, 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 and that, send it to me, send it to me. And I wanted to send a phone call to him and say, okay, and I'll also have them call you at 2 o'clock in the morning when they need help. I'll also have, I'll also have them, maybe you can visit the folks at, at, uh, at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock or stay with them in the emergency room. Maybe you can do those things. You want the money, but you don't want the responsibility. That's what happens a lot, isn't it? So just because some people abuse money doesn't mean that it's to be thrown out the window. It's really important how we handle our money, how we use our money. So let's take a look at some scriptures this morning. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22. Deuteronomy is way in the beginning. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers. Did I miss Deuteronomy? Is it after Numbers? Yeah. 14 and 22 through 23. Deuteronomy. How many can spell Deuteronomy? And the Lord says, you shall surely tithe. Tithe means a tenth. You shall surely tithe all the produce from, from what... Sorry. You shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. And you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where He chooses to establish His name. The tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock, in order that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. So giving 
In this sense, the Lord said, this is so you can learn how to fear the Lord. Do you know there's a real problem with the fear of the Lord in the modern church today? Very little respect for God in the church today. Very little fear of God in the church today. But we're to understand that God will, we will stand before him. We will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.20 it says, and we will all give an account to him. So we're going to give an account for him, not only how our behavior, our actions, and all these different things that we, uh, we do, works that we do in a body, and words that we speak, but we'll also give an account for how we manage their finances. The first thing I'd like to say to you is that you do not own a thing. I do not own a thing. We came into the world naked, Paul says, we go out of the world naked. Nobody's going to have a moving van or full of full of your stuff following the hearst. Right? It's not going to happen. All that you have, now I was reading in Psalms the other day about how people will name in the Psalms, how men, wealthy people will name their homes after them and, you know, give themselves lots of honor and all about their riches. But you know what? It's all temporary. It's all temporary. What you and I have, you know, I was looking in my shop, a lot of my tools, I have lots and lots of tools, and and I looked at a lot of those tools, and I thought, I wonder how many generations these are old. I was looking at some tools my dad gave me. I said, well, most of my uncles gave me. I have tools that probably go back to the 1700s, for all I know. But how many owners have had these tools in their hand? Everything we have is going to be temporary. It's learning how to use it. One of the songs we sang was about fear, wasn't it? The love of God casts out fear. And learning how to, how to live life without fear. One of the great things that every Christian must overcome is the fear of lack. One of the great things that every Christian must overcome is the fear of lack. Because the fear of lack opens the door to greed. And you may say, oh no, I'm not, I'm not greedy, I'm not. But greed is it's, it, it's, it's, indelible. it's in the human heart to such an extent that this, this, the prophet said that it's, the human heart is deceptive above all things. Two people have an argument, and they both think they're right. I got my right. Because I, I, we deceive ourselves. We don't see the things. And so how important it is that we learn how to be open-handed with our finances and with our things and everything else because we don't own them. And if we have the fear of God in our heart, if we have the fear of God in our life, we will understand that no matter what, whatever sacrifices you or I make, whether it be financially or materially, whatever sacrifices we make, God takes note of that and God will reward us for that. You know, if you read the first part of Matthew and start the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, as you read that, you will notice about probably about nine times, it says in there then, and your heavenly Father who sees in secret will reward you. Reward you. Isn't that amazing? You may suffer some things today. You may sacrifice some things today. You may go without some things. But when God sees that our hearts are such that we are generous, he rewards us. Now let's talk about 
greed. That's something I spoke about a moment earlier. If you look in Colossians 3.15, if you want to go to the New Testament, Colossians 3.15, it tells us something about greed. In fact, it's a great, great warning that many of us will read this over many times and never, and never see this. Okay, I'm sorry, it's not 3.15, it's 3.5. Therefore, consider the members of your body as dead to, Im- to immorality, impurity, passion, talking about outside of marriage, evil desire, evil desire, and greed, greed, which amounts to what? Idolatry. Did you know that greed is idolatry? When we act in a greedy way, we are acting, we are, be, we are becoming idolaters. If we are in impure ways, in, in uh, immoral ways, we are committing idolatry to God. You know, that's one thing that God particularly hates is idolatry. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll notice that the children of Israel were constantly going into idolatry, weren't they? constantly going into idolatry. And God was continuing to warn them, bring them back, bring them back from the worship of Baal, from these demon gods. In fact, so much so that in Exodus 20 and other places, when we read about the Ten Commandments, it says that, it says that the iniquities of the, son, of, the, of the fathers will be visited to the sons to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, or those who worship idols. So idolatry actually brings a curse. It brings a curse. And so in our life, if we are greedy, and I know we all have, we all have that tendency, we all have to die, what does it say? Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality. So this thing about money can really hold us. Money has power. People that have money have power, they have prestige, they have a lot of things. Things, things, right? Material things. They have lots of stuff. It's okay to have money. If God blesses you with money and you've been faithful, it's okay. But it's not okay for money to have you or me. A poor person can be full of far more greed than a wealthy person. And some wealthy people are far more full of greed than poor people are. So it's not just what we have or we don't have. It's a condition in our hearts, in our heart, and how willing we are to, to give. Now, what's the advantage of giving? Why is it so important to give? Because God wants to further other people's lives and bless other people's lives through you and I. God wants us to further the kingdom through our finances. Let's take a moment there and talk about that. What's going on in our country today? We have two ideologies that have come to a severe clash, right? We have two worldviews that have come to a severe clash. We have a secular, leftist, communist worldview as opposed to a biblical Christian worldview. Bottom line, that's it, right? You all agree to that? If you don't agree to that, then do some, do some studying on that. 
<clears throat> and you'll see that's exactly what's happening today. People that are of one worldview are doing all they can to transform this country away from a biblical worldview. All aspects of Christianity must go. You haven't noticed that in the last since the 1960s on? Then you haven't been very observant. If you don't understand that, you'll not understand what's going on. You'll just say, oh, what's wrong with all these people? They're always fighting and bickering all the time. There is a constant clash. The people on that side, on the other side, from where I'm at anyways, and I'm sure most of us are, are putting their heart and their soul and their finances into the, what they believe, into their kingdom mentality, right? The problem is they're of another kingdom. But what about Christians today? Are we putting our heart and soul into furthering the kingdom of God to the same means? You see, it takes finances... It takes finances to move anything along, really. You say, well, what about Jesus? He wasn't concerned about finances. Well, Jesus did have some very wealthy women that followed him along that helped support the ministry that he was in. Now, before you think that I'm trying to drum up more money for myself, you're mistaken if that's what you're thinking. I have to tell you a quick story uh, some years back, I was teaching about finances. I don't teach about finances enough. I really don't. It's, it's to my shame. Because it robs us from the understanding, a biblical understanding, of how to use our finances. And so I apologize for that, because it is such an important part in our Christian life, is the financial part. And it's a part that I don't really care to talk about, as I said. But some years back... There was a couple that came to our church. They had just retired and moved up here from the Detroit area. They're still part of our church. They're not here today, so I won't use their names, but I'm sure they wouldn't mind if I did use them. But the, the wife said, they were going to go look for some churches up in Alpena here, and the wife said, now I'm going to tell you to her husband, if that preacher talks about money, if he opens his mouth up about money, I am getting up and I am walking out, and I will never come back to that church or something to that aspect. To that, in that respect. So she came to church, they came to church, and it was one of those rare Sundays that I start, I was speaking about money. <laughs> and so she felt allowed to get visitor cards, so in a couple days later I gave, her, gave them a call and said, that was nice to have you in her church, do you have any questions? And she said, well, I have, she, she had some questions and so on and so forth, and she said she really liked being here, and she said, she said, by the way, and then she told me that story. I told my husband that. But she said, you handled it in such a way that I wasn't offended, and I realized that it's important that we do talk about money or something that looks like respect. So, of that aspect. So I wanted to say, I'm not here to try to coerce you and pry your pocketbook open, but it's important that we know what the Scripture says about finances, and it's important that we know that this church takes money to operate. It's just one of those things. It's the way it is in this world. So let's go back here and take a look at some more scriptures. So greed. Okay, let's go back to greed for a moment. One of the important things is, for most of us, is to allow God to teach us and to break the power of the lack 
the fear of lack in our life. When Michelle and I were early on and the Lord was calling us into the ministry, we had gone through a lot of, really, I was in business, we'd gone through a lot of really tough, tough financial spots, places that we'd been in. Our income tax guy said, I don't know how you people can live on that little bit of money and give so much, because we were giving to the kingdom of God. We were giving. We felt that was very important. We had settled on that. And he says, I don't know how. Every time we went in and he looked at our taxes, how much we were giving and how, how, how little we were living on, he was just amazed. He, he, he thought we were nuts. What's wrong with these people? But God's faithful. God is faithful when we sow. What was happening in that time period is God was breaking the power of the fear of lack in our life. And he brought us through some incidents, some times we've shared about before, where we were destitute, pretty much, and he provided for us in miraculous ways. And you know, when you know that God can see your situation, see your needs, see your lack, see your situation, and provide for you, it breaks the power of the fear of what if we don't have enough? What if we don't have three kids at home? What if we don't have enough? What if we can't feed them? What if, what if we can't pay the bill? What if we lose the house? What if we lose, what if we lose our car and I can't get to work? All the list goes on, right? Fear has torment. What God wants to do is break that fear and that torment off our lives so that we don't have that oppression hanging over us. Do you understand what I'm saying here? When we give, we can give as unto the Lord and know that He will take care of us. Now, that doesn't mean that we just quit our jobs, that we just get lazy, that we... Paul the Apostle brings a balance. He says to us, I think it's in Thessalonians, he said, if a man won't work, don't feed him. You see, that's my worldview. If a man won't work, don't feed him. If he can't work, I want to do all we can to help them out, right? Right? If he won't work, don't feed him. So there's personal responsibility. The Bible teaches personal responsibility. So breaking that fear of lack off of all of our lives is so important. Because if not, it will carry through and haunt you, and you will always be gripping your pocket and your wallet. Your money will become more important to you than the spiritual things and the spiritual life that God has called us to walk in, the freedom that he's called in. The money will continue to grip you, the fear of lack, the fear of control. It's so important that we understand that. Once again, in Proverbs, it says, to a rich man, his money is his fortress. It's his prestige. It's his security. And even to a poor man, the money can be the still what money you have. It can still be just that, right? It can still be all those things. God wants us free from the idolatry. He wants us free from greed. All right, I've got to line number two on my notes. I usually don't make notes, but today I did. I made a lot of notes. When we give money, we are actually sowing money. Now, not like a needle-pulling thread. Remember Sound of Music? Did you ever watch that? Sound of Music? No, I haven't watched it. Okay. Somebody will have to send you a little track, sound of the music. So a needle-pulling thread. 
It's S-O-W. It's like throwing seed into the ground. Sowing. When we sow financially, it's like a farmer sowing seed into the ground. And when you sow into good ground, a crop develops, doesn't it? A crop develops. And then you what? You have a harvest, and you have more seed to sow. When we are stingy, and we are selfish and fearful, we just throw a little bit of seed out there sometimes. And then we wonder why we're giving, but very little is coming back. It's by the measure that we sow that it comes back to us. You remember what Jesus said in Luke? Let me find the scripture here. It's in Luke Luke 6.38. Let's go there very quickly. Luke 6.38. Start in verse 36. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. I'm going to skip to 38. Give and it will be given to you. What a promise. You see that? Let's say it again. Let's say it together. Give and it will be given to you. Wow. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. They, men, will pour into your lap or your bosom. For by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about, you ever buy a box of cereal? And it says, and you open it up, and it's uh, only two-thirds of it is cereal, and the rest is just air. Have you done that? You all have, haven't you? And you say, what's going on here? Well, they sell it by weight. But what he's talking about, Jesus is talking about by measure, like a bushel. So if you dumped a bushel of grain into another bushel, there's, when you first dump it in, what's happening? There's lots of air in there, isn't there? But when you shake it, it starts to settle down. And so you pour more in, right? And you shake it and more. And so the first measurement is going to be full of air. The second measurement and the third measurement when you shake it. So that's what will happen when you have a measure. That's what Jesus is saying. Press down, shaken, settle down, and running over. Show men pour into your bosoms. Now, is this true or is it a lie? If it's a true, if it's true... Are we acting upon it? You see, if it's really true, and you desire more seed, then you're going to sow more seed so that men will bring back. And what's the purpose of all this? It's that you can have a bigger, fancier car, you can have a bigger house, you can have bigger stuff. I really appreciate some of these ministries. Uh, Gordon Lindsay is one of my heroes in the faith. Gordon Frieda Lindsay from Christ for the Nations, and they lived. They had this huge ministry, but they had a very modest homes that they lived in, very modest. And that's something that we can learn to live in modesty and using our monies for the kingdom of God. Using our monies for the kingdom of God. That's really what it's about, isn't it? Because 
if God's given you skills and abilities to make money, and there's nothing wrong with making money, as long as you're not counterfeiting. Of course, the government counterfeits all the time, doesn't it? I mean, the dollar bill's not even worth the papers written on, but anyway, I won't get into that. Could, but I won't. So if God's given you a skill and ability to make money, then what's the purpose of you making money? Well, one is to take care of yourself, take care of your household, to have shelter, to have vehicle, you know, things that you need. Consider the lilies of the field. They neither sow nor spin. But my Father, he provides all the lilies. The birds of the air, God provides for the sparrows, right? So if God's given us giftings, then we are then accountable to use those giftings for the things we need to help other people and to further the kingdom of God. If we're kingdom-minded people, our focus will be on furthering God's kingdom. Every breath you take, every action you, every person you meet, you're thinking, how can I further the kingdom? How can I further the kingdom? How can I further the kingdom, Lord? That's a kingdom. That's, is, that is a, that's the definition of a spiritual person. There are a lot of people in the church that are not spiritual. The Bible calls us carnal. We're more interested in ourself and our selfish things than our things that are materialistic things. We're more concerned about the temporal. We're more concerned about our, our prestige. We're more concerned about how we look. We're more concerned about all those things. That's not a spiritual thing. Person, the, the Lord speaks to us through Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians, and he talks about not being carnal. So a carnal person is not interested in going out and praying. A carnal person is not interested in a prayer meeting on Sunday night, which we have tonight at 6.30, right? 6.30? A carnal person is not interested in the deep things of God. He likes the flash. He likes the miracles, maybe. He likes to see this or that or the excitement. But a carnal person is really living in a, in a, in a base area of life. He's living in, or she, in the world of the small soul. You ever heard that before? No? The world of the small soul is the world of the little me. It's from the, from the Christian mystics from the medieval times. They would, call, they would call people that were operating in a low level of spirituality, living in the world of the small soul as opposed to living in the world of the large soul. Interesting, isn't it? God's calling us to a higher place in no matter what we do. He's calling us to a higher place in how we steward His finances because the times are getting short, if you haven't noticed out there. The clash, the war is full on, is it not? It's really moving powerfully in a, in, a, in a way that God needs all his people on deck. All right, there's so many other things we could cover. I'm just going to look at a couple things here, and we'll probably close. Let's go to first, uh, 2 Corinthians 9. Oh, I would like to also share, out of, before you turn there, out of Matthew, the importance of having a heart 
Um, the importance of having a heart of gratitude and an understanding that what I owe is not mine. In second, or excuse me, in Matthew chapter five, verse forty-two, give to him who Jesus says, give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Wow. Wow. That's really amazing, isn't it? Was he saying just give your money to anybody that comes and asks? I don't think so. I think what he's really saying there is check your heart. If you have the means to help somebody and they're in need, help them out. And you know, I, I say this to people and they sometimes come to me and they say, you know, so-and-so needs some money, so maybe he's a family member, they need some money, I'm considering loaning them some money. But I don't want it to come between us and our relation. You know what I say? I say, if you are willing to give that to them as a gift, go ahead. If you're not willing to give that to them as a gift and you are going to want payment, then don't give it to them. Because if they don't pay you back, you're going to be forever holding a grudge. And that's not a good thing. But if you can give it to them open-handed, say, okay, yes, you can pay me back. Sure, okay, I'll take the payments. But if the payments don't come, okay, Lord, I gave it to them. I gave it to you as on to, uh, to them as on to you. I gave it to them as a gift. No strings attached. He, he's talking about a condition of the heart, getting rid of this greedy heart that we, we have been born and raised with. Okay, let's go to 2 Corinthians and I will close for today. We're running a little late, getting a late start. Second Corinthians 9. And the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians, who were a very carnal group of people. Verse 5, we'll pick it up there. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift, that the same might be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. So when we give something to people, we give it to them. Can't, can't be covetous, covetous about it. If you give somebody a, a gift and they miss, you think they misused it, it's not yours anymore. It's theirs, right? It's theirs. If they abuse it, that's their problem. Verse 6, now this I say, he who spares, or he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. When we give money or things, we should be giving it in a cheerful way, Right? Charlie is a very cheerful giver. I hate to point you out, but he's a very cheerful giver. I've really learned a lot from him about giving, how important it is not to be attached to stuff so much. God loves a cheerful giver. And as we give, we harvest. God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having, that always having all sufficiency in everything 
you may have an abundance for every good deed. Thus it's written, he who scattered abroad, he gave to the poor. His righteousness abides forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, that's God, and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Here's the problem. Many of us have robbed God. You know, Malachi says, you've robbed me. God's saying, you've robbed me because you've held back from giving. Wow, eh? When we rob, we hold back from giving, it's not like we're robbing um, someone else. Well, we are, but we're actually robbing God. That's how he looks at it. That's how serious this is. So as Jesus said to us, he said, if, if you can't handle unrighteous mammon, if you can't handle money, how will you be, if, you're not, if, we can't, if you can't be entrusted with money, how will the true, true riches be entrusted to you? So let's examine ourselves. Let's take a look at our lives. Just take a few moments and say, Lord, where have I been stingy? Lord, where have I been greedy? Lord, what is the thing that's holding on to me here? I want to be free. Do you want to be free of that? To be able to have the freedom of God? Because it's like the monkey. Remember the monkey story in Asia? They try to catch monkeys, and so they cut a hole in a coconut, and they put some marbles or something in there, some coins, something that's clicky-clacky, and the monkeys come along, and they shake it. And they reach in, and they grab it, but the hole is big enough to reach their little paw in there, but it's not big enough to allow them to pull it out. And the greedy little things will hold on to that coconut, supposedly, and I think they probably tie the coconuts down, and they hold on to that coconut, and they won't let go of that thing. And so then they're captivated. That's how money is for us. If we hold on to it like it, it will captivate us, and we will be taken captive. And God wants us free, because it's for freedom that Christ sets us free. He wants us free in our monies. One last thing. I've talked about the sacrifices in the New Testament. There's at least four sacrifices listed in the New Testament. The one sacrifice I'll bring out today is the sacrifice of giving. Philippians chapter 4. We'll turn to there and then we will close. Philippians chapter 4. You doing okay? Staying awake? This is what the Apostle Paul says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. And you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. You see, a lot of people don't understand this concept, God's concepts of giving. We're only thinking of the, we're only thinking of the worldly concepts. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance, am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. 
Do you know when you make a sacrificial giving, when you, it is just that to God, we do it joyfully, it's a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice well-pleasing to God. The next time that you're giving something and it feels like it's a real sacrifice, you can stop and say, Lord, I thank you. This is a pleasing aroma to you. And this is acceptable. It's a good fragrance to God. You can be God's perfume. Isn't that great? Isn't that great, though, really? So Jesus is setting us free. If we can grab a hold of this, do some more study, do some study on finances, it will set you free. If you're struggling, if you've been robbing God, you've been robbing and you're you're giving to the church, you've been stingy, you know, you know, God can forgive and God can bless. God wants to bless us. If he didn't want to bless us, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. I see a hand up in the back. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Verse 19. And may God supply, shall, may, and, may, and may, sorry, I'll back up. And, may, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now that's the part we can take out of context. I think that's what you're pointing out. We go around, there's a song about that at one time. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And we can quote that scripture, but unless we're, faithful first to make the sacrifice, then we can't claim that scripture. Do you understand? God, that little word if, like we talked about last week, is a huge word, if. And if we are faithful, then we can, then we can claim that. If we're not faithful, there's not going to be more seed to the sower. God wants to bless you. He wants you to be well. He wants you to have enough and more than enough. And he is capable of giving more than enough. It's what we do with it and how we are stewards of it is what he's looking at. It's the heart issue. Let's pray. Father,